Hey, everybody. Mike Shope, Adam Krautwurst. This is the Deep End Fantasy Football Podcast powered by Draft Sharks. Adam and I were just in Las Vegas for the main event drafts and certain other hijinks. We'll talk about that tonight. The show has been going for about a year. The deal was Adam has been a high-stakes player and said, uh, let's talk about life in the high-stakes waters. But guess who is in the deep end now? I think the line here, I don't know whether to thank you or blame you. Yes. The answer is yeah. Well, the answer is how well you do this year, right? You might, uh, you know, you might, you might, no, you're going to, you're going to do fine. Listen, it's all about the experience. It's all about the ride, Mike. It's all about, it's all about going to Vegas, right? (laughs) It's it's a lot about the ride. I, in all honesty, how I do this year will mean a lot toward next year. Because, I mean, I would never have imagined a year ago starting this show with you that I would be playing in the main event and sitting here with four teams. Like, oh, yeah. What happened? So, I mean, I, I have uh, one team of my own and then I, I split three two with Louis G and another with a friend, Mark. I, I do think it went really well for me. But it's funny, I've always said everybody always loves their drafts. This, these yeah. conversations with you on this show have helped me really, and I can't overstate this, appreciate the strategy and builds, you know. And when you go to Vegas, you meet guys like Andrew Geller and Biplop and guys who have, they just do this a lot all the time. And it's a serious thing, how you build your team. You end up, as we've talked about a lot, Adam, like building by positions and tiers more so than players. And you sort of almost necessarily end up with different players anyway i've learned a lot we're gonna see how it goes yeah no i i had a great time in vegas um i did it my my first 3k thought that team went really really well um i think i finished fourth in scoring this this week which it wasn't wasn't terrible um did my first auction out there 750 auction that was that was interesting i kind of didn't have laptop access i thought i thought my laptop charged all night I get there, I open up my oh, laptop, no. it's dead. So I'm going bare knuckle auction for the first like half an hour while it charges. So that that, that was fun. Um, and then yeah, I did two two main events. I, I watched you. I kind of rubbed your shoulders during your bare knuckle. Um, watched you do that, and that was yeah, it was it was an absolute absolute blast. But you never tapped in. You didn't want you didn't want any part of that uh, that that seat. Listen, one of my one of my strengths is that I know my my weaknesses and just. Mm-hmm. Seeing all the hard work you were putting in, seeing and talking, and talking to the drafters afterwards, all the hard work they put in. I think Bip is it Biplap Mandel was sitting next to you in the 12 yeah. spot. Yeah. He was telling me how he printed off a blank draft and just wrote a draft in from start to finish. I'm like, that sounds excruciating. So uh, I'm glad <laughs> I did, I'm glad I didn't try to tap in and do my worst impression of that. Well, I was confident with how I would do just in terms of remembering players by position. I mean, I think I talked to Biblop during the draft. What your process is, is interesting, you know, by teams or by position, whatever you might do. Um, So I, I was not worried about remembering players. This was after the Dallas Tampa Bay game, by the way, which came after my WGR show, which we did from, Naked City Pizza in Vegas, owned by a Buffalo guy. It's like a Bills backers bar. 
We scrambled to get on the air there. And before that was a main event. So this was a seriously long, fun, but arduous day of football and fantasy football. By that night, I mean, I was glad I hadn't been drinking because it was (laughs) hard. And I, I, as confident as I was, and as it's true as it is, I think that I didn't make any real gaffes or anything like, no obvious mistakes. Neither did anyone else. I mean, for it's seven hundred fifty bucks, you, right. you might expect people to take it seriously, and they did. There were no soft spots. I think in the room, no crazy desperation. Justin Tucker in the sixth round or something like that. I thought might happen. Benny <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, there were no sort of moments like that. Nobody timed out once. Twenty-eight rounds times 12, 30-second clock, no notes. That's the point. You can't – not only can you not take any notes in, but you can't write anything down. And and one point on that. So you draw playing cards for draft order, and I drew four, and the people who drafted or picked one, two, three all chose one, two, three, and then I chose 11. And my thinking was I wanted two things. I wanted time to sort of think through the board as picks were being made, and to be organized. I wasn't, I'd never done this and I wanted to be able to do that. The other is I wanted one person behind me so that like if he had drafted quarterbacks, I can afford to wait tight ends, whatever. And in retrospect, I would have done that differently because what was really hard that night, especially as it got later and you're drafting the 25th kicker and whatnot is remembering the players that you thought of between your pick at the second pick of the round, all the way back 20 picks later. Yeah. Because I would, I have like, I was doing this in front of me, no pen or paper, just pretending like sort of sorting with my hands, <laughs> you know, Marlon Mack, Matt Breida, like just everybody. Yeah. And, and as the middle rounds are going by, really rounds six through 10, I think I, I got into some trouble because I, I felt like I was struggling to be, to make optimal choices. Um, week one did not go well for me in that. I started Najee Harris, Saquon Barkley at 11 and 14, and they both had terrible fantasy weeks. So uh, we're last, but I don't hate my, my team, really. I was really proud to, to, to do it. I think we'll, I think we'll hang in there. I, yeah. I don't think we'll win. I never thought we'd win coming out of it. Yeah, it, it's a long – it's a long – because I really – I can't remember what team I lo- – uh, I think you did fine. I think I, I really like team nine, I think, maybe, but – I don't, I don't remember who who they took, but um, but yeah, no, it was it was it was a good job by everybody, for sure. And I bet it was cool to watch and sort of like I would have liked that sort of thinking through. Yes. Who who would I pick right here in thirty seconds? Right. It was a tremendous challenge, and I it's a format I'll want to do every year, whether it's out there or or with friends. I mean, it's a best ball league. There's nothing more to do. Yeah. Now the the main event is the signature event of the FFPC. And those drafts went it went Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Even Saturday? Saturday, uh, yes. Yep, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There were some drafts Sunday morning. I'm not sure if they were – I don't think they were main events, though. I think they were just online standard leagues. And the Thursday night game is played, but if you're in – as anybody knows, probably everybody watching knows because they might be involved in some FFPC format. Maybe not. But you can move the players in and out from the Dallas-Tampa Bay game. I just I happened to run up against two teams, uh, both that drafted after that game. I think, well, one did, but I ran up the, the guy after us in the Friday night main event drafted Brady and Gronkowski, so he yeah. was he, he was tough to beat. Yeah, um, but it was cool to see those moves. Amari Cooper went round two 
in the bare knuckle. Um, Antonio Brown went round three. And, yeah. like, that's right after the game. So, anyway, it was a great time. You know, it was a tremendous week. FFPC does a great job. Very friendly and sharp. Yeah, for sure. It was, it's, it's nice to meet all those people that you were kind of in podcast with. It was nice to meet Guilds and hang out with him a little bit and everyone. Yes. And, and all, all those guys. So, My main event Friday night, Guilds was in it. Jay and Scott, or Scott was in it. Bip yep. Lop was in it. Yep. So, like, I mean, if you're going out there, you want to – take on all of it, right? Like, right. You don't want to miss a shift. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you again to those people in, in Las Vegas. We had a great time. If we ever decide we get bored with fantasy football, this will become a blackjack show. <laughs> because, I mean, I just cannot with Adam. I just cannot. You just have to stop with the... The line, the, the line of the week in Vegas I was telling Sam on the way home was was when me yelling instincts at the blackjack table and yeah. you look at me going, how did our pads ever cross? <laughs> I, I have to, I'll say it. Adam, Adam is the guy at the blackjack table who gives the speech about how, if you have a five against a 10, or if you have 15 against a 10, listen, Mike, if you don't take a card, you have a chance. Is it wrong? Listen, but then I'm, I'm looking down the table and I see nothing but low cards. The next one, the next one's a ten. It's coming. I pass. You hit because you have to. Ten. That's right. That's Instincts. Right. Okay. Instincts is the best. <laughs> All right. So let's get into week two. Let's do it. Uh, we might have some people watching tonight who want to know what to do. Whether it's, I mean, a, a, an obvious team comes to mind. Uh, you always have right, Adam. This is really where your quite experienced you've you've got that week one player or players who was on were on nobody's radar until the season started and 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 there it is elijah mitchell is the is the obvious name here the first 100 yard rusher in in history since the merger to be drafted from the fourth round on in his first game week one of his rookie year i did, I did not but, know that. you know because it's San Francisco, you don't know whether to trust it. So starting starting with Mitchell, if you want, Adam, like how do you approach this week? Yeah. So, you know, there's been a lot of a lot everyone's right glued to the Elijah Mitchell information for a couple of reasons. One, you know, he had a big game, um, look look looked pretty good. And then also, you know, you have Raheem Moster out, out for the year. And I keep hearing, you know. We're all trying to take in every podcast, every piece of information we can find, every piece of advice. What do I do? And I've always said this. The reason why I love high stakes is because it's really great because it makes you – like you have to think and react super, super quickly, right? So like this information comes out. When, by Wednesday evening, you have to plant your flag on a guy like Elijah Mitchell. Um, so you get someplace to tell you, oh, you know, if you really want them, go and bid – you know, 20% if you really want him. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, man, you're never, if you really, you're never going to get him for 20%. Okay. You're just, you're just not. So if you really want Elijah, Elijah Mitchell, um, you're going to have to bid more. You're going to have to bid at least 50%. Um, and that was before we found out that most of it was done for the year. I'm thinking to get Mitchell, you're going to need to bid 70, 70% or higher to, to get him. Now, I'm not going to tell people they should go out and get them. It really depends on the roster build, right? So if you went zero RB or if you went, you know, one, 
um, RB at the, at the beginning and then went heavy tight end and receiver. Um, you're going to, you, this is what you've kind of been waiting for. And I hate to say, you know, uh, waiting for is probably the wrong word because we're in week one, but these opportunities is what kind of zero RB is built on. It's built on dominating the flex, dominating receiver, dominating tight end, maybe having an elite quarterback in there. Hopefully you waited into Jalen hurts, but, and then pouncing on these running back in, injuries. So there's some leagues where, you know, I did go heavy receiver and I'm going to bid a ton. I'm not going to tell people exactly what I'm bidding. Cause we're all, you know, competing with one another, but I'm going to bid a ton on Elijah Mitchell where I think I need him. There's leagues where I have Raheem Mostert. I think one league, I'm probably going to bid a ton on Elijah Mitchell. If you went heavy running back, I would not bid a ton on Elijah Mitchell because there are question marks. There are questions about, you know, is Trey Sermon really dust there? Is Trey Sermon, you know, going to come back in and have a role? Are they going to split 50-50? Uh, are they going to pick up somebody else? I think they picked up Kerryon Johnson in the last couple hours. So I don't know. I think if I had to give someone advice and you needed a running back, I would say go get Elijah Mitchell. But if you want Elijah Mitchell, you got to be ready to, to pay 70% for him because uh, he's not going for he's not going for anything less than 50% anywhere, I don't think. I think – you know, without so, so much experience at this, I think maybe most people's instinct would be that they'd be a little bit afraid to do that because there's so much uncertainty in the backfield. And you think, I think, wouldn't this be your instinct? Like, there's 16 more weeks and I'm probably going to need that money. So what's your answer to that? Like, how often when you make a move like this, do you end up feeling like you, you miss the money? It's, it's scary. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, well, again, when you're paying all this money to be in these, in these leagues and uh, right out of the gate, before we even get to watch anything, we got, we had to see one week of football. Now you have to make a decision for your fantasy life, right? Like I have to decide right now, like, am I going to make this season long bet, you know, plus 600 plus 700. I I guarantee you there'll be $900 plus bids on him. Am I going to stake my season on Elijah Mitchell? But I think you're more, you're more planning your flag on the Niners running game is what I think you're doing. And I think, um, and then, you know, I always have this, this, we'll talk about this more as the season goes on, but this whole start sit mentality. Like if I start this player and he goes off, uh, am I going to be able to sleep at night knowing that I, you know, what, what decision is going to help me sleep better at night when you put in your waiver wire bids for Elijah Mitchell, Right? Is it going to be one of those things where you're going to be jumping on the at 3 a.m. You're going to be hopping on the website to see if you got it. Are you going to be really disappointed if you didn't get him? Then you need to bid more. You need to go get him. If you don't really care, if if you're like, eh, I don't really need to have him, then don't bid bid, bid as much. But I think you know it's your team, it's your gut feeling. But I'm just telling you, in order to get him, you're going to have to bid high, and it's going to affect your season. If Elijah Mitchell bombs from here on out, which is possible. Um, it's going to affect your season if you bid $800 and get him. Um, but if you went zero RB or one running back early and he ends up being an RB two, the rest of the way, would you trade Mike, would you trade $750 with the fab budget for RB two rest of the way? If you went zero RB. Probably in, in Mitchell's case though, the, the real challenge is San Francisco, which it's maybe a little bit counterintuitive. I mean, they, they're so good. That's part of the problem is you would just assume almost any anybody they turn to will do well. And that that frees up that coach to do things like he did Sunday, which is to bench Trey, uh, Trey Sermon because, you know, he's yeah. playing a team 
that he's favored against. He's confident in his team and his schemes. And so he can just, he can mess around. He can make a point about professionalism with Sermon or Ayuk. And how do he do? He scored 41 points. So right. my feeling on, but I, I feel like there's probably a little bit of being a little bit too careful here on some level. I, I wouldn't expect to be able to predict when to start Elijah Mitchell. Moster being out is relevant, obviously. Carry on Johnson may end up being relevant. Who's to say with those guys? Jamichael right. Hasty. He had the game last year. They played at Foxborough. And I think everybody started, maybe it was Jarek McKinnon. Sure. Uh, that game. And Jeffrey Wilson scored three touchdowns. He'll be back. Yes. Like, just to fool around, which I don't really mean to say is what they're doing, but it sort of works like that. They could sign anybody. They could sign, you know, the Ravens cut Trenton Cannon. San Francisco signs Trenton Cannon. What if he went for 80 yards this, this week? Like, it, almost nothing is crazy or ludicrous with the Niners. I wouldn't trust myself to know when to start Mitchell. And that sort of – you talk about sleeping well. Like, if that, yeah. if that really is part of the equation, knowing when, who to start on San Francisco would make me crazy. Because yeah. I think it's it's likely that they'll they'll mess around. I mean, Sermon was a, a high enough draft pick, I would think, and a good enough prospect, I would think that they'd want to, you know, have him be a part of this at some point. But when? Yeah, and and Jamichael Hasty and Jeffrey Wilson are available everywhere too. I would put in. I mean, no, you're not putting anywhere near the size of the bid for Jamichael Hasty or Wilson. But I'm putting in bits for all of them. I want pieces. I want all the pieces, right? So, or you know, I want a piece. Um, on the San Francisco running game. So I'm absolutely going to put in, you know, secondary bids for those guys. If I do lose out on Elijah Mitchell or something like that, but I do, I do agree with what you're saying. And that's why it's scary because it's not just a, a regular old handcuff situation. Like, you know, like if Tony Pollard was, let's say Tony Pollard was available everywhere and Zeke go, goes down, you're not getting one of those situations where um, he's going to go for a ton of fab budget. So like, you know, Pollard would go for everything, you know? So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to, it's going to be scary. Um, but I think, like, like I said, Mike, on teams where you went zero RB, you, um, you are going to be starting him. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have that RB one or RB two spot that you're going to be starting him on. Can I share a main event board of mine and give you an example real quick? Absolutely. So uh, let me see if I know how to do this um, here. Can you see that? Uh, I don't see it yet being shared. I think you have okay. to click share. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. Perfect. perfect. Share. There we go. Whoa. There. there we go. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> can you see that? Um, I can, yep. So Luigi and I are Luigi and I are team two. Okay. In, in this draft. Yep. Uh, actually, no. This is a team I drafted by myself. This is not a team I share with Louis. Not that it has to matter, but I'm I'm team two here. Running backs: Camara, Sermon, AJ Dillon, Bernard, Mac. Yes. So let me. So there's so many angles to this. This is why this is this is so much fun. If I have Trey Sermon on a team, I'm not going all out for Elijah Mitchell because I'm on that team. I'm I'm still planning on Sermon being a thing, or I'm or I'm or I'm betting on Sermon being a thing. Like I would not I would not double down 
bid everything to have both of them. I would just know that I've already made the bet. And I, I tweeted this earlier. This reminds me of the, of the um, situation last year with J- Jonathan Taylor, right? You just needed an injury to Marlon Mack, right? To have Jonathan Taylor be a stud. Mack gets hurt week one, super exciting. Jonathan Taylor is going to, going to explode. And, and, you know, Shanahan took that for me this year with the Trey Sermon not being started or not even being active. So, but, but I still have hope that Sermon, it may, maybe, maybe you're right, Mike, maybe he did need, he wasn't professional and he needed to be punished for something that we don't know about. And then he comes in and he's awesome for the rest of the year. So if I have a Sermon team, I'm betting on Sermon being the, the, the guy. Right. Um, and in fact, if I were you, I'd be super excited. In fact, if I were you, maybe I go get hasty for cheap so that I've got two of the three pieces and I'm not spending $800 or something, you know, go get, or go get Jeffrey Wilson, you know, something like that where you've got more pieces to this backfield now. Um, but that's what I would do. But if let's say Sermon was a different running back on your team, I would, I would probably still avoid it because when I say zero RB or one RB, I'm talking about like, if you want Kamara and then didn't go a running back until AJ Dillon, that's when I, like if Sermon didn't exist on that team, that's when I would go heavy on a guy like Elijah Mitchell. If this week Sermon is active, they have the Eagles, right? Um, I don't, I don't even know. Do you, well, let me ask this question also about Brandon Ayuk. Like it, week two rolls around and Sermon is active. I mean, Mostert is out, so somebody else is going to be active there. Why wouldn't it be Trey Sermon? If it's not yeah. Trey Sermon this week, there's something serious. So Sermon is active. Ayuk is active. I mean, they, they're talking about his injury. He was on the field on punts in this game. He, he played some couple dozen snaps or so. So he wasn't that badly hurt. Like, right. what's, how do you decide when to start him? Yeah, I heard um, – yeah, that's why I just want to encourage people to listen to all of the information you could possibly get your ears on. Read everything you can read because, you know, when football is going on on Sundays, we're all trying to enjoy it. We're all trying to watch and, and learn. But, like, I don't know that Brandon Ayuk's returning punts. I didn't even know that Brandon Ayuk returned punts until I listened to a podcast today. I think it was John Daigle. John Daigle said that he was returning punts. I'm like, wait a minute. If the guy's returning punts, then, then it's not a hamstring issue. They wouldn't have him back there. So it's, it's a, you know, it's, he's not ready or he's not professional or whatever. And I don't mean not ready physically. I mean, not ready mentally, yeah. um, which I just find so odd. Um, you know, but with Ayuk, I'm not, I'm not starting him this week. I mean, how can you? Um, and I also have a lot of teams where I went heavy receiver where I don't need to. So, um, but it does, it's, it, it, it stinks. I mean, it's great for those Debo guys. If you if you bet on Debo over over Ayuk, man, you are loving life right right now. But I don't think you can start Ayuk until you know they throw him the ball. <laughs> right. Um, not to move away from week two, a couple other names are interesting. Mark Ingram is one. When it came down to it with Houston, anybody brave enough to pick any of them team seemed to start with Philip Lindsay and then maybe maybe bring in David Johnson. I know in the bare knuckle draft. The guy in the end, and this was probably not the only time it happened, picked Lindsey and Johnson together. But here's Ingram approaching 30 carries in the first game. Johnson and Lindsey did also score just a bond, just a crazy effort uh, by Houston. Like Ingram is probably their number one running back, though. How much is that worth? Um, oh gosh. 
I mean, Jacksonville is apparently a d- disaster, right? So the good, the good news is, here, here's how, how I would look at it. If I own Lindsey or Johnson, I'm actually excited because there is 0.0% chance that Mark Ingram survives 20, 30 carries a week. He's going, he's going to get hurt. So if they want to pound him into the line of scrimmage like that, it might be two weeks, three weeks, might be five weeks. He's never going to make it. And then you've got a two headed attack, which is what you want. So, um, and Lindsay, yeah, like you said, Lindsay scored. David Johnson was a receiving back there. So I think if you have a chance to pick up Lindsay, someone's going to drop. No, nah, they're not going to drop Lindsay because he scored, but Lindsay might right. get dropped in, in the next week or so scoop him up because when Ingram gets hurt, Lindsay's going to be that, that, uh, belt kind of running back the, the bell cow back, the guy, that, the one that gets the handoffs. Um, and then he can be a nice, a nice kind of flex option for you. Well, these, Running backs, and there may be others, are interesting. And you, you were, uh, I think, right to point out there, there are interesting players or pickups specifically for teams that avoided running back heavy drafts. And it felt like, you know, it became very trendy to do that, and a lot of people were doing that. So there might be might be a year where you need even a bigger bid on some of these right. running backs to, to, get, to get home. Wide receiver-wise, I think there were some interesting ones. I think – well, let's start with yours, uh, and then I'll bring up a couple of mine. You like Cedric Wilson a little bit with the Gallup injury in Dallas. I love Cedric Wilson. I and in fact, I think the coach said today they're going to slide Cedric Wilson right in, and it's going to be like nothing, nothing changes. Um, I like the. I think it was Kellen Moore said that. I like the conference from Kellen Moore. He's not Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup's really good. He's probably the best number three receiver in football. Um, so he's not that, but you know, he came right in, caught caught a couple passes. Um, knows knows the offense. He's he's like a gadget guy there. I and with kind of the whole Judy thing is so Judy's out four to six weeks. I would bet my money that you're not going to feel comfortable starting him for eight for eight weeks. I mean, these guys come back from these injuries. You know, we're, we're going to get a report in the next two weeks where Judy's feeling really great, right? Like, oh man, he's going to be back in four weeks and feel great. Even if he comes back in four weeks, these guys the high ankle sprain kills him for longer than than, than that. So. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable starting him for about eight weeks. And Cedric Wilson's a guy that if he can if he can get you five of those those eight weeks and slide in there, I think he's a nice flex spot. There might be some better options as far as straight up fantasy points, like maybe like a KJ Hamler might do it, a Tim Patrick might do a little bit better, maybe Zach, Zach Pascal, Deontay Harris. Those guys might score more fantasy points, but I think they're going to go from for uh, way more bid dollars. Than a guy like Cedric Wilson would, would go for. So I'm I I like a nice cheap Cedric Wilson bid because th- the game was on Thursday. People might have forgot about it a little, little bit. I like maybe sliding him in there under, under the radar because I think he's going to do do really well. I think a lot of those players, myself, I would say I would include Wilson in this. I just don't expect there to be enough volume to make it worth it, and that's reflected in target share, but also snap counts and these things. Um, who did you mention? You mentioned Wilson, but who else are we talking about? I'm thinking about a name I want to use as a, as a counterpoint. Tim uh, Pascal. Pascal, yeah. Pascal is is an example of that for me. I, I just think I just think it's a no. But what about Hunter you know, Renfro? Did, oof. So many different Zay Jones, but Rugs yeah. and Edwards. You know, Edwards had nothing until the what the end of the fourth quarter, like. Right. Who knows? Who knows? A very strange game last night. I, I do think Patrick is interesting there in Denver. They have had 
some success with him before. Yeah. And so yeah. I feel like he's and he, he caught a touchdown pass this week as well. I think he's somebody that that might work out. Very interesting first week for Denver. Yes, a, probably a bad opponent, but they got it work working with different guys, especially Noah Fant. I feel like Noah Fant is a player that for anybody that drafted a lot of him, he might be somebody where the, the ratio of his drafters are like the happiest versus other NFL players. Fant got volume in that game and with Judy out, that that looks like it has a lot of potential. I also think KJ Osborne is interesting in Minnesota mm-hmm. because he was clearly their third pass target. Nowhere Smith and the tight end thing is kind of murky. So Osborne, who played at University of Buffalo and then transferred to Miami of Ohio, which I, I assume he did on purpose. Has anybody ever transferred from UB to <laughs> Miami of Ohio? But it's it's worked out for him and he's he's a little bit good. So I mean, I don't know about the volume there with the Vikings. It's so typical. Like, they had a fairly high pass volume game for them. They lost, and their coach is talking about how they don't really want to be like that. Of <laughs> you know, so, of course. Um, <laughs> wide receiver depth, I think it, it can be it can be an area where maybe running back is the same, but there can be a real overreaction to some of these receivers based on whether they got in the end zone and just what happened in week one. And so I, for the most part, like it if I drafted deep wide receiver teams because I don't want to have to guess at that either, you know. Um, I, right. So yeah, and I and I and I get it too. Like, trust me, I'm going through all my lineups and the lineups. When I click on a lineup and I see like Delvin Cook, Joe Mixon, whatever, Miles Sanders, like I, it gives you a comfortable feeling. Okay, I've got three guys yeah. I can rely on, and it looks comfy and whatever. You know, but the t- but I tell you, the teams that scored the most points. Now that must have been it might not be a great example because those three guys did really well. But like you know, there's teams that started like Saquon and Zeke and Montgomery, right? Those teams, the teams that started with receivers earlier, scored the most points. So I know it's not comfy, and I know it doesn't feel good, whatever, when you're looking at it. But um, that's why these waiver wire decisions. Uh, this fab budget, these fab budget decisions are so important and it comes at you so quickly that you really got to plant your flag on this stuff. Receivers, like you said, you don't want to kind of ignore those either, but there's every week. I feel like there's so many, I mean, this week it's Tim Patrick, Christian Kirk, KJ Hamler, you know, there's just, you know, the list goes on and on it set Cedric Wilson, Zach Pascal. There's guys you can throw into your number two flex spot if you needed to. Um, and they can and they can perform for you. Running backs, man, you got you got to find those guys off off the waiver. Um, and there's only going to be one a week that's probably worth adding. Kirk is interesting. Some of the same concerns with the numbers, but two scores, experience in the offense. If Green is kind of done, then I think Kirk is somebody because they were way ahead in that game too. Like they didn't really need to force it, and it just they got so far up on Tennessee. So I do like I do like that idea. I drafted a, a few shares of Christian Kirk, which I'm happy about. We mentioned Jerry Judy along the way here, Adam, and that's a tough one. I mean, it looked bad. It looked maybe like the season at first. Then they come out with four to six weeks on Judy. Are there circumstances where you would drop him, or is that crazy at this early stage? I would not drop him. Um, I mean – yeah, no, I can't think of not, – not right now. There wouldn't be a circumstance like unless I lost – you know, unless half my team got, got hurt. But, no, I, I think it's – you know, and it's only week week one. 
that's that's the good news. He's going to be back, even if it's ten weeks. He's going to be back with plenty of time for your fantasy playoffs. So I think you know we we and I have I have some Jerry Judy. We kind of got lucky that uh, it happened week week one and it wasn't a season ending injury. I know it's the the daunted high ankle, but I think with this full season to get back and get and get right, um, I'm certainly holding it. maybe in like a home league or something. But we're not here here to talk about those. Um, but what, what do you think, Mike? You got a situation where you would, where you would consider dropping Judy? Well, probably not. I mean, it doesn't feel right to do it, and yeah, it is. It is early. Um, I think you can right or wrong. You can get to a point where maybe if it's week five, and you're talking earlier, like it's maybe week nine before you would play him, or even maybe before Denver would play him, and then you're ten, eleven. I mean, by those those weeks around the end of October most of these teams in the main event will need wins. Yeah. So it it will more, a couple more injuries by then. And so if you sort of, I don't know what the math actually looks like, but if you sort of look forward to the point where, Hey, in in six weeks, he's not on the field yet. And what else am I going to be able to do? Like, do I have enough cuts here? It, it, It feels like that's the logic behind cutting him early and just being done with it. But you also want to have that player available that you want to invest in. It doesn't have to be a receiver. I don't know. I, I don't think I would do it, but I, I thought it was worth talking about. There, there is um, there is one team we have together where Jerry Judy is, is on that team, and oh, I'm about yeah. to show you, but it's going to take a second here because I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, there it is if you can see it. It's probably it's probably pros versus Joes, isn't it? Yes, you have it. No, no. I mean, I can I, I can find it for, for for sure. No, I've just I'm sharing it right now. Okay, I don't see it. Oh, I I missed the same step as last time. <laughs> oh, so look gross. at this! Look at this little team! Look at that little squad! So week, uh, pick one McCaffrey RB one even without scoring, amazing. Aaron Jones, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, yuck. I know. Cooper Cup, though, obviously, to save to save to save the day. Uh Higby looking. Higby. You want to talk about Higby right. for a second? A hundred percent of snaps. Let's go. Uh yeah, Judy. Well, good thing we have a million receivers. Mike Williams. Mike Williams will fill in for Judy for the next six to eight weeks. Okay. Mike Williams had a very promising week one. J- Jalen Rager. Oh, yeah. Van Jefferson. <laughs> oh yep. my God! When you're hot, you're hot. You know what I mean? But well, yeah. How'd, how'd that team do this week? Do we know? Middle of the pack. Uh, okay. We're like in the overall. We're around thirtieth out of what is it? Seventy-two. Maybe? Yeah, that's Aaron Jones, Ridley, and Ridley had like four catches on the opening drive too. That was insane. Three for thirty-nine right away. Then zip. Zip. Oh. What happened there? Gross. But. We we're watching the Sunday night game together, like texting through it, and there's Stafford, the Van yeah. Jefferson play. Um, you know, like all these teams are we want some running back depth. When we did this draft, the comments were all, You guys, you had it. So no. Pollard, Pollard, Madison, Stevenson is the extent of it. And it'd be nice if Aaron Jones bounced back. He probably does. Yeah, I would hope. All right. Um, let's look around a little bit. 
a few interesting storylines from week one. Yep. Cincinnati. So we mentioned quickly the Minnesota-Cincinnati game. I just think it's amazing that they threw 27 passes in five quarters or 70 minutes Yeah. with the weapons they have. And Chase got in, <laughs> excuse me, and Higgins got in. Wasn't much for Boyd. It was really Joe Mixon, 29 carries. So do you see the Bengals, like, they didn't have the high implied point total through the season, which was a storyline and gave you some caution on Cincinnati. It's 24 points through regulation. It seemed maybe the, the, the ball game for the Bengals was keep Joe Burrow upright. And so more running plays, and they were able to stay in the game and eventually win it. Uh, it's still a, an interesting question, what kind of volume there will be for all those receivers, because they're all good. Yeah, I think they're going to play in games where they give up more points. I mean, they only gave up 24 points through regulation, too. So I think in, there's going to be games where they give up way more points than that. They're going to be behind. They're going to have to throw. Now, I hate to say it, but I've got more mixing in the main event than than I should because he just got – I got him in the third round in one of the – like I couldn't – I passed on in the second because I didn't want him, and he falls back to me in the third. I'm like, fine, you know. Mixing? Mixing. That is a draft sharks logo behind you, right? I know. Listen, I, can't I know. See so good. And they're and That's, they're gonna you're on they brand. Might, they might pull the plug in the middle of this podcast. On brand, they love they love mixing. They love and I get it. Listen, I get it. It's he's talented, talent plus opportunity. He's gonna get the opportunity. Um, and if so, if that keeps up, I mean, he's got he's got top five potential. Um, but I think they're going with that being said. I think they're going they're going to throw more. They have to. I mean, nobody. Nobody wins these days throwing 25 times through five quarters. So um, I wouldn't, I'm not worried about volume. Um, you know, Boyd isn't a guy that I have a lot of. Uh, I loved him when he was their number one slash one, a one B the last two years, but this year I don't have a ton of him because he's, I think he's their clear three. Um, but the, again, with more volume, will come more targets for him. Um, I'm not worried about, about, about their volume. We'll see if they want to throw short often enough sure. to make Boyd work. The chase play is just kind of a deep fade, and yes. boom, I mean, that's a 50-yard touchdown there. Higgins was short. I don't know. I, I was impressed that they won and how they did it, that it, that, that worked. But um, they're still in tough in that division. If Chicago, right. They have Chicago this week, by the way, uh, the Bengals, Andy Dalton reunion. Jalen Hurts. What oh, a first yeah. week for that guy. Maybe nobody did better. I mean, just all the questions about him and their pass offense. It couldn't have gone more more uh, excellently for Philadelphia and Hurts. Yeah, and this is why we told people all and all the guests we had told people, like, hey, listen, wait on a quarterback and take a running quarterback. Um, you know, the year I came in fifth in the main event, I took Lamar Jackson in the 11th round. You can get these running quarterbacks in the double-digit rounds. Those are the guys that win the leagues in these tournaments, right? Those are the, Whenever I'm doing tournaments, that's what I'm looking to do. See, see Jalen Hurts, you know. I think he was quarterback six or seven on the, on the, on the week. Um, excellent. You probably drafted him as QB nine or ten or 11 um, with that huge weekly ceiling. And if you weren't going to draft a quarterback that ran – you were going to wait longer and you were going to take Stafford, right? Who just, you know, has all the weapons and has all the coaching that he's ever needed. So, um, yeah, Hertz looked great. Um, 
and uh, it's super exciting for all the Hertz owners out there. And and you can now cut that number two quarterback that that you have, right? So you know people mm. who drafted Hertz and then drafted another guy just in case. You can cut that uh, that other guy. Use him to pick up, you know, your 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 big high price free agents. This is sweet because uh, this quarterback isn't going going anywhere. You, you can worry about the bye week later. Great first week for the Eagles. They win easily in Atlanta. And again, I think it's the Niners this week. Uh, one more Tampa Bay. So we were all together in Las Vegas watching Bucks Cowboys. <laughs> it's just so much fun to do that. So many interesting fantasy players on the field for both teams. Leonard Fournette, he got his catches in this game. Uh, I'm not sure if he got a touchdown in this game. Maybe no, he no. didn't because I had a prop bet that that he would. And he didn't. All right, that's right. I remember that now. <laughs> you're on. You're walking around that ballroom with like Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette. I'm walking around that same <laughs> ballroom going Ryan Santoso. Ryan that's Santoso. Right. Carolina's right. kicker. Ryan Santoso. For the bare knuckle. Ryan Santoso. Who I got sniped on Ryan Santoso. By the way, unbelievable. That's what kind of trip it was. Really, that's what kind of trip it was. It was getting sniped <laughs> on Ryan Santoso. No, it was a great time. Um, Ronald Jones. So this reminds me of our 49ers conversation. Bruce Arians today is like, oh, he's fine. He'll start. Come on. Like there are, there are more and more of these teams, the jets there are more and more of these teams. Where you just have no idea what I to know. trust at running back. And they they really don't have to tell you. So here we are again with the Bucks, and Bernard was not much of a factor in that game. Just late when they were on that last drive, did he get a couple of passes? What do you think they do? Man, I think they do. I feel like I just saved this little banner from last year. I feel like we had this conversation every other week last year. Um, it's going to be the same thing again. It's going to be like he might start. What does that mean? It means he gets the first carry of the, carry of the game. Like, yeah. If you have, it also doesn't. It also doesn't mean he does start. Correct. <laughs> That's it just true. means he might start. You know. So that, that is true. Um, the good news is like you know. Fournette and Rojo were going in the ninth, tenth, eleventh, maybe the eighth round. Um, if you, you know, if you went zero RB, if you went once, you know, one stud RB and then waited, you have, you know, kind of a decision to make, but you probably took four or five of these other running backs in the same range. Right. Um, all that to say is I'm not letting him, his comments about Rojo don't scare me off. Um, if I, you know, if I was going to start Fournette as my RB two, um, in a, in a, in a zero RB build or something like that, I'm still going to do it. It's not going to scare me off. I think Fournette, you know, he has a better chance to get in there and passing down work he has a better chance to get in there at, at, the, at the goal line. You know, Rojo could miss a block. He Rojo is going to get benched by missing a block, dropping a pass or fumbling. Yeah. So like one of those is going to happen <laughs> in the first half of the game, you know? So I'm fine with Fournette. I still have Fournette higher and I just don't care about what Arian says. I mean, I, I think it will be a roller coaster. I think that's maybe the consensus but they're the Super Bowl champs. They look great. They'll be back in the playoffs. Even that one added playoff team per conference can work into the equation of strategy and the extra game too. Like we're yeah. gonna try this this week. You know the way baseball teams and hockey teams, hockey teams with goalies, baseball teams. You're gonna rest today. I feel like that's the future in the NFL. Is there'll be weeks where your running back doesn't play. He'll play next week. But they're not gonna. They have no reason yet. There's no pressure on them to tell you that. So it's always kind of been part of fantasy football to have to be sort of ready for these sort this sort of movement. And I think it gets worse because 
the added schedule, the added playoff team, a team like the Buccaneers, they do, there's absolutely no force behind the Bucs. There's no reason for Bruce Arians, now that he's won especially, to play anybody else's game at running back. You know, Keyshawn Vaughn could be active this week. You know, he was inactive, and he's still somebody that Arians sometimes talks up. Really, really tough. So one more challenge in that sort of hero running back kind of roster because um, these teams in the middle, it's really hard to know what they're going to do. You have to guess right sometimes. Yeah. Well, yep. So <laughs> what is that? 45 minutes of talking like that. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> right. Sorry, guys. Yeah, that's right. Good luck with San Francisco. Good luck with Tampa Bay. Good luck with Denver. Good luck with all these teams. Who has? I just got a we just got a message on here from Cat Jet. Jamie Eisenberg reported a possible curfew violation for Ayuk and Sermon, which would be which would make sense. This is all you know. I'll I'll do some research after. This would make sense and be absolutely sensational for Trey Sermon owners because uh, I was in discussion with with Jay Moyer on Twitter last night. Asking him what the heck is going on with our guy Sermon, and he uh, he's still he's still sold on him. So if that if that's if that's a thing, uh, that's good for Trey Sermon owners for sure. Yeah, I saw that on Sunday. That that was one part of the speculation. Well, well, Jay Moyer loves him as a runner, right? Yeah. And and Michael Carter too. And Michael Carter isn't seemingly anywhere near playable status with the Jets. But Correct. I I, I uh, defer to Jay when it comes to their their talent and their yep. ability, and and he's somebody I think about with respect to Javante Williams because he has had good, logical, believable, credible breakdowns on Williams. Like the, it might not be there. The, the ability just might not be there. And the consensus in fantasy has been, well, they're gonna they're gonna make that happen. Like they're gonna force that in. And you have a split in week one and a seventy yard Melvin Gordon run. So yeah. they're tough and, too. And to talk about that is, you know, the more you play fantasy, the kind of the more you learn. And I encourage people take to take notes on stuff because you're going to forget that next year. And, um, you know, Dwayne McFarland did a great piece on, you know, the whole Denver running back situation in the off season. And just talking about like how, you know, running backs that have to deal with other running backs like Melvin Gordon, they just don't hit at their price tag because, Guys like Melvin Gordon are too good. Unless Melvin Gordon gets hurt, he's just not going to allow Javante Williams to be um, what you want him to be in the fifth round. You know what I mean? Again, you're 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 passing on really good receivers in the fifth round um, to take Javante Williams. Now he could be a league one at the end of the year. Maybe Melvin Gordon gets hurt, um, but you know Melvin Gordon just bought himself four more weeks of Balcow work or not Balcow, but splitting carries with that. 70 yard touchdown, and he looked good. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's hard because you you see the talent with Javante Williams, you understand it, but you also have to understand that when there's guys like Melvin Gordon hanging around, they just don't go, they just don't go away. What you needed for Javante Williams was for Melvin Gordon to be released or traded. Correct. And end up on the Dolphins or the Falcons. And then when that didn't happen, yeah, he was going to play. Uh, so sometimes that works out. Jacksonville last year, Fournette get, does get cut, and your James Robinson explodes. But, yeah, usually not. So Denver at Jacksonville this week, by the way. Denver Denver at 1-0, a touchdown favorite on the road in week two. Uh, wow. Well, even next week it'll still be early. 
That's All right. right. Final thoughts. Are we good? We're good. I got. I got to get back to waivers. <laughs> get back to waivers. FFPC is all tomorrow night, right? Yes. Yes. Tomorrow okay, good. night. Tomorrow good, night. Good. 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 Yeah. I'm in the deep end now, so I need to make That's sure right. of these things. Vegas was an amazing time. Thanks to everybody who we met out there. I had some people. I'm sure you did too. Who came up to us uh, at different times that watched the show, and that that felt really good. And um, this will be a this will be a fun year. Every year is fun. This will be especially fun for me because I feel like this year, in these conversations, I'm in, I'm involved. I'm vested. Yeah, I love that. You love know, it. last year, in fact, last year the show was differently branded. We did the Draft Sharks Invitational last year. We're not as focused on these kind of topics. You know, waiver strategy. We want to be sort of a mix with the high high stakes player in mind. Now that we are, including now that I'm new to it, like we're both among that community. And so without being too specific, what are you thinking here? What happens? You're kind of a mix of data, which we'll often pick up from other sources and then, you know, a read of our own and ideas of our own. So hopefully you like and that will, and it's a good conversation. And we will get into, you know, I don't think we need to do a weekly draft sharks invitational update, but we will get into some of that stuff and we will have some guests on from, the Invitational, which will be fun, but I don't think we need to do weekly. But maybe every every couple of weeks we'll have uh, the drafts the draft strikes invite leader on there because we want to. Uh, I don't even know who's leading. I'll have, to, I'll have to go check it out. I don't either, but that tournament has a lot of high stakes players in it. Oh yeah, right. I, I'm in a couple of main events with Austin Martin. Yeah, and he he was on the Draft Sharks Invitational show with us, and so he's in this year too. Like Draft Sharks really went after those guys. It's not just analysts. It's it's also some of the high-end players. So um, that, that'll probably work itself out. We'll have guys on here from that who can talk about the stuff we got into tonight uh, quite well. For sure. Okay, everybody, that's it. Thank you, Adam Krautwurst. I'm Mike Shope. We will see you next week on The Deep End. Good luck. See you guys.